Welcome to We Need to Talk About Tech, where we talk about the past, present, and future of technology. In this episode, we're going to talk about our favorite tech from 2020. And news that we're looking forward to in 2021. Right off the bat, I will say one of my favorite pieces of technology in 2020 was the PlayStation 5. Um, I pre-ordered it like the minute you could. I was one of the lucky people that was able to get my hands on one. I did a whole like series of unboxing videos for it. I've been having a lot of fun with the PlayStation 5. I mean, even I think our first episode, we talked about the PlayStation 5, kind of like the reveal trailer for it um, and everything surrounding it. So, yeah, definitely one of my favorite pieces, if not my favorite piece, PlayStation 5. That's actually a really good one because you're one of the few people that actually got a chance to, to get their hands on them, which I think is starting to change now. It's funny. I think they talked about how this has been the biggest launch for a console ever in PlayStation history um which is really cool and yeah like anyone i've known who's gotten their hands on a playstation uh five uh, my cousin got one and he's talking about how he's been playing uh Sackboy with his daughter and playing um uh uh miles morales yes. and he's like honestly it's it's the best thing like and it's funny i think in that first episode that you were talking about i was saying uh it feels like it's too early for new consoles and nope. yeah i was clearly wrong people are so excited to get these and they're actually like there's games for a new console which is unheard of at least for the playstation um and yeah it's, it's really cool uh is there something i guess this year that you've been excited about or i guess your favorite piece of tech for 2020 so it was going to be either the playstation 5 or the xbox series x um, but you know, as those kind of, uh, have started to come out, like, I, I think they're both great and I would love to get my hands on, on either one of them. But for me, the coolest stuff that has come out this year has been, and I'm not really a car person, but electric cars, um, mm. electric cars. This has been a big year for electric cars. The Tesla model Y came out this year. Um, the Mustang Mach E and like it, it feels like uh, i think the porsche taycan came out this year it's yeah. like this was the kind of growing up of electric cars of like okay these are finally mainstream vehicles that are cool across the board and then even overseas i don't know if you got a chance to see the is it the honda element or the honda e i think it's the honda e um which is this tiny little car and it's really expensive but it, it's like this tiny little car um in europe that Honda built fully electric. It doesn't have a, a huge range. It's not all that practical, but it's just so cool. It's like all screens. There's HDMI ports in it. So you can like plug in a game console and play in your car. Um, it's just like a, a cool little thing. And it, that that's probably one of the, also the Polestar 2, which is a car I really like as well. It's like just one of those things where I'm not huge into cars and I'm even less into electric cars. But seeing all the cool stuff coming out to, to kind of not just compete with Tesla, but show that things can actually be done a little bit better and a little bit cooler, um, that is only going to make electric cars better as a whole and also Tesla better, um, is I think like one of the coolest things that's happened this year. Oh, yeah, that is pretty cool. And I guess one, one good thing about traditional car manufacturers getting into the EV market 
is it's kind of it's raising the standard right it's it's pushing tesla to be better yeah one common thing that people say about teslas is obviously obviously you know it's a lot of technology in it and it's great how many charging stations there are and the infrastructure of it but the build quality is so low yeah like there's so many times where people will have panel gapping or there'll be cracks on their headlights when they get it shipped to them there'll be you know loose seat like there's all kinds of just little details that are a fact of okay tesla isn't your typical car manufacturer they don't have an they don't have an experienced i guess line of quality control checks and that's why these you know, little faults with the with the car come to a customer. So the good thing about, you know, the Porsches, the Fords, the Hondas coming out with their own electrical vehicles, it's kind of pushing the standard up of what quality you need to have in an in an electric vehicle. And I think that's only gonna be good for consumers in the long run because it's at some point, you know, right now, Tesla has the best electric charging system. They definitely do. 100%. But as these other companies build up their electrical charging system, or even if you're able to charge your electrical vehicle at a Tesla station, eventually it's not going to come down to, okay, who has the best charging system? It's going to be who has the best built car, right? Because for now, at least, people are willing to put up with all the faults and the flaws that come with, you know, your $50,000 car. but Who's to say that they'll continue to put up with that when you can get a $40,000 car from Ford that doesn't have any of the flaws in it and can still charge at as many stations as Tesla? Yeah, 100%. And th that's the thing. Like, even the, the cars that don't have a ton of issues, like, um, I remember a while ago, I, I drove just for a few minutes uh, a Model S, um, and it was, it was a nice car, but the moment I walked into the car, just the feel of like the dashboard and the materials and the plastics it wasn't for me and i understand like a lot of people really like that they like you know it's a lot of sustainable materials you know not real leather and stuff like that which is great um but it didn't feel like you know a car that expensive in my mind should um and it was like yeah it's really fast and it's really cool and it's got all this technology but finally being able to combine those things with really good materials solidly built and they're they're fast and reliable and cool and not using gas i think is a huge step forward and i think 2020 was a big year for that and and like finally pushing forward electric cars um and yeah i, I think it's going to be even cooler in 2021. Mm -hmm. i guess another thing that i would consider my favorite tech of 2021 or sorry of 2020 my favorite tech of 2020 is the new m1 chip from apple uh near the end of the year they came out with you know the updated mac mini macbook air and macbook pro and i think for most of the year people were kind of speculating on okay one when is this going to come out and then two once it does come out how is this going to perform compared to the intel counterparts of these same products and one thing that people were i guess surprised to see and i guess glad to see and i guess my personally i was glad to see also that not only does it perform you know on par with the intel counterparts you're not taking any steps backwards 
in a lot of ways, they're actually outperforming the Intel-based MacBooks and the Intel-based MacBook, or sorry, the Intel-based Mac Mini. And I guess one good thing that I see coming from this is, you know, them progressing into the future. So I guess I was really happy to see the updated M1 products to see how well they perform and the performance boosts that they offer. And I'm looking forward to see where Apple takes it in the future, I guess. Yeah, I 100% uh, agree. Like that was one of the biggest surprise of surprises of this year. And I think we've, we spoke about it a bit in the previous podcast about like how there were so many uh, expectations for what uh, an M1 Mac could be, um, you know, whether the design was going to change, whether there was touchscreens. And I think in that kind of, in that kind of idea, it could be a little bit disappointing, but where I think they really hit it out of the park and why I think M1 is so amazing and it's going to continue to be so amazing is what they did with Rosetta and essentially emulating uh, regular x86 applications for M1 and that that performance loss is not nearly as big as a lot of people would have expected and that's one thing like I wasn't super surprised by it because Apple had put so much so much time into explaining Rosetta and how it was going to be a game changer for M1 um, that when they finally brought it out it was kind of like them just reaching what they said they were going to do but I think why it's so important and why it was such a huge win for me as well is that we've seen Microsoft try to do this with uh, Windows on ARM and you know for years now trying to be able to get apps emulated for ARM devices and really struggle really not do a good job with it and Apple does it, knocks it out of the park on their first try, which is amazing. And, and like you said, I think as much as I'm not a super big fan of the initial M1 products, just because there's a lot of limitations with ports and stuff like that, I think what they did is absolutely amazing because not only is it able to be faster with using less energy, but it can still run stuff that you always needed to run on old Macs that makes the old ones completely obsolete. And in the future when you get even faster um apple silicon products and you know more ports and all that stuff rosetta is still going to be there meaning that and it will probably be even better meaning that there's really going to be no downside to switching over to apple silicon going forward and they set a perfect base for how amazing this these lines of products can be that kind of just makes you wonder why would why would apple ever go back to x86 or ever go back to intel Definitely. I guess this kind of transitions onto the next part of our of our podcast, right? What are we looking forward to in 2021? Apple just came out with the M1 chip, which did, I would say it did better than what people expected mm -hmm. out of the gate. They're obviously going to update that. They're obviously going to be iterations on that, right? So I'm really looking forward to, okay, with their next chip, whether it's the M2 chip or it's the M1X, whatever it is, there is going to obviously be some sort of upgrade to processing power. But like you mentioned, the M1 chips have a limitation in terms of ports, right? You can only hook up two displays, I think, to either the MacBook, you can hook up one display to it, or if you have the Mac mini, you can hook up a total of two displays to it. And then 
as we mentioned before, there's a limit in terms of USB ports on it. Yeah. So for the next chip, whether it's the M1X or the M2, what kind of expansion is going to be possible with that? And then also, how much more powerful are those going to be? So I'm definitely looking forward to the next Mac products, whether that be, I'm guessing, an upgraded MacBook Pro, maybe even a Mac Pro. I mean, I'm really looking forward to see how they push the envelope and what they're able to do with their newer processors. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I'm also really excited to see what they do with kind of combining the product lines across the board. Like with M1, we already know that Macs are going to and can run um, iPhone and iPad apps. What does this mean for like the whole line getting better? Like iPhones are already the fastest phones um, available. Does Apple's kind of expertise in making chips for laptops now make their phones and, and, and tablets faster? to the point where we can start seeing them make a huge leap just across the board with uh, with their processing and in their products, which is, is gonna be huge. And that's one thing like I'm really kind of excited to see is just 100%, like you said, the, the more pro versions of their products, what kind of more kind of IO and, and kind of nicety things that they can add to those. I'm still hoping, crossing my fingers for a touchscreen, um, but, um, also what they do with the next iPad pro, because we've seen the iPad air this year, which is, is really cool and kind of going blow for blow for the Mac pro, uh, sorry, the iPad pro, at least the smaller version, mm-hmm. they now have to step up the iPad pro, um, next year or, or this coming year. Does any of that Apple Silicon kind of expertise flow downwards to the iPad pro making it maybe that's where the touchscreen kind of Mac experience can kind of come alive um, in like the larger iPad Pro, which I'm really excited to see like where they go with that. Yeah, I mean, they could even put an M1 chip in the next Mac Pro. Yeah, sorry, the next iPad iPad Pro. That would be insane. So then now it's okay. This is truly for professionals. We've moved this away from the A series chip. Now we're putting our actual, like, powerful computer chip into this tablet, and that would bring it to like a completely different level than than it's at right now. And then even compared to every other tablet out there, that is an amazing point and an amazing thing that they could do for marketing. Of like, imagine yeah. if in the future their iPad Pros and their iPhone Pros could say, "Hey, these use our computer chips. These are capable of doing all the things like the the MacBook Air can do and stuff like that." Which they probably don't even need to to call it that. And I wouldn't be surprised if iPhones and, and iPads can already do stuff like that. Like they're already very powerful. But mm. just even being able to say, "Hey, the expertise of you've seen all these power gains we got from going from Intel to M1." you can do the same things on your iPad Pro or your iPhone Pro Max, uh, you know, and that's that's kind of really cool to see. They, they really they really moved everything forward with the launch of M1, and it shows, like, Apple can do things really well, much better than their competitors when they want to, and it's kind of like that benefit of waiting for, the, for when the time is right as opposed to being first all the time. 
because um, mm. you know Microsoft has been doing Windows on ARM for a while now, and it's never been good. So <laughs> the idea that Apple can do it and they waited for the right time and it's excellent is just goes to to show like how waiting for the right time to actually launch a product is so important. Yeah, definitely. I guess to kind of touch on. Uh, one of your favorite things of 2020, you know, electrical vehicles. One thing I'm looking forward to is where the electrical vehicle market goes next year, where the EV market goes in 2021. I mean, right now, we're still in the middle of this global pandemic, so not as many people are going into work, are commuting. There's a lot more people working from home. Hopefully, things start opening back up. Hopefully, more people are looking to commute and in doing so are looking to hey maybe they need to get a new car or upgrade their car and they're looking at an ev in the future and just to see like okay how popular can these electrical vehicles get and are we going to get to the point where it's you're getting a comparable range from an ev to what you would get from a, a tank of gas in your car like are we going to get to that point either next year or sometime soon yeah like that's that's a, a really big question for like the future of evs and um i think we brought them up once or twice on on previous episodes but chinese uh, electric car manufacturer neo um in their i think their suv they have this ability where you can go into a station um and you you know you drive into the station where you would normally go to get gas or, or charge up your electric car but instead of waiting an hour or 40 minutes to charge your electric car, it does a three minute battery stop. So it takes out the, the depleted battery in your car and puts in a fully charged battery and then you can get going within three minutes. And I think thinking like that is what's really going to propel electric cars forward in the future of one faster charging. We've seen this with phones, you know, of phones having charging that can be like, oh, 40 watt charging and charge your phone from to 100% in 20 minutes. Like that's crazy um, for a phone and kind of unnecessary, but still really cool. But for a car, having things being more convenient and more in line with, with the way gas uh, vehicles work, where you don't have to spend 40 minutes at a station to recharge, I think is going to be huge for electric cars. And we've seen this, you know, in the admittedly a little bit boring um, Tesla battery day. But we're seeing that as electric cars mature and become more popular and become more cool and more people want them, they start to become more practical too. Um, you know, they started out with, with four-door cars and two-door cars and, and with the Tesla Roadster, and now they're SUVs and they have, you know, a lot of luggage space and stuff like that where people can live with them on daily lives. And that next step is how quickly can you get that car charged or at least not even quickly, how conveniently can you get your car charged? And I think that's going to be a huge thing that kind of comes out in not just 2021, but even further forward where we're going to start to see hopefully non-Tesla cars get a bigger charging infrastructure, but then also all cars being more convenient in terms of I need to get to work. I have a, a little bit of a charge. I can go here, get a quick charge in a few minutes um, or get a battery swap and then be on my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to speak on that, right? We talked about the Hummer EV in one of our past episodes. Yes. I think it was episode 13, right? And we mentioned how they're promising that you can go from zero to a hundred mile range in 10 minutes. 
Now, imagine that. Well, who makes Hummer, by the way? Is it GM? GM? Yeah. Yeah. So imagine they launched that initially with Hummer, right? If that expands to the rest of GM's electrical vehicles, how huge that would be, right? And like you said, it's not just, you know, your typical four door sedan. This is a Hummer we're talking about. Yeah. Right? It's a big car, a big SUV, a lot of storage space and off roading capabilities, and it's an electrical vehicle. So let's say one car I saw the other day on the road was a Jeep. Imagine a Jeep EV. Like, I think that would sell extremely well. Yeah. You know, Jeep, if you want to like bring me in on the marketing team, I'm your guy. But like, imagine a Jeep EV. You can charge from zero to 100 miles, which is 200 and something kilometers in 10 minutes. That would be amazing to see. Yeah. And I think that the Hummer is coming out sometime in 2020, like the very first models that they're delivering, or sorry, 2021. The Hummer is coming out in 2021 with the first models that they're delivering. And I could see them announcing something else for more of their GM vehicles, right? So I think, I think that this, like you said, was a big year. 2020 was a big year for electric vehicles where you get like sort of this, the classical cars like the mustang like the porsche like the hummer being announced and released and it's we're coming to a point where there's going to be more and more electrical vehicles on the road and at some point we and some point soon right yeah. we may even get to the point in two years where there's more electrical vehicles on the road than standard vehicles or than gasoline powered vehicles think that's a hundred percent i think soon if not in 2021 maybe 2022 2023 the latest we're going to start hearing stats of more new vehicles that are sold are electric than gas and i know for some people that might be a little bit scary it's like oh you know i, I know you love you love manual gas vehicles most a lot of people who really love cars love them but i don't think that diminishes that in any way i think that just goes to show like there are people who are really interested in the kind of reliability and the lack of maintenance of, of an electric vehicle and for the gas vehicles soon that's going to be the enthusiast vehicle that's going to be the vehicle that people you know who actually want to drive and have fun and stuff like that they're going to have those cars and those cars are only going to get better because they're going to be more specialized but for the everyday mass market car i wouldn't be surprised if in the very near future we start hearing stats that for new cars the new suvs and the new you know minivans or family cars that are being sold it's going to be electric as opposed to gasoline definitely um is, is there anything else that you're looking forward to in 2021 yeah or so is anything else that you enjoyed in 2020 that we didn't mention yet so in 2020 um there, cyberpunk so <laughs> i thought about mentioning cyberpunk on <laughs> not that was because okay so I think what cyberpunk is as, as much as I haven't got a chance to play it yet. Um, and, uh, I probably won't get a chance to play it for a while. I don't know if it's actually, actually the game for me, like if it's going to be the game I like, but I'm definitely going to try it out. But you know, they've, they've got a lot of bad press about what, what's been going on, um, with that game. But I think what they 
built, despite the fact that it doesn't work on last gen consoles very well, is really <laughs> cool. Like I think they they did something that's actually quite different. Um, and and you know I, I think they deserve a little bit of, of of credit that for the people who are able to play it and you know on PCs and stuff like that that can run it, people are having a really good time with it. And I think a lot of that gets kind of brushed under the rug a little bit um, because of all the, the the bad press. But there are people who are having a lot of fun with the game, and I think that's that's cool because that's very hard to do. Like hundreds of people are trying to make something, and when it, if sometimes it comes together, sometimes it doesn't. In this case, it seems like it came together and didn't come together at the same time. But, um, you know, I, I kind of want to give him a little bit of credit for that. But on the video game side, I actually want to give a little bit of credit to uh, Epic and Fortnite. Um, I was kind of done with that game, um, you know, around this year. I wasn't really playing much. And then they brought out the Marvel season, and it kind of reinvigorated uh, my interest in the game. It's kind of fallen off a bit since then, which is understandable because that season was fantastic. But mm. just the fact that they were able to do that and, and kind of make an event that big and that cool um, and that fun, I think, yeah, uh, that's that's one of the games this year that um, kind of really surprised me. Then again, I didn't get to play many games this year. Um, but that was one of them that, that kind of, I think, really did a great job. Mm -hmm. How about you? Uh, any game this year that like kind of really won for you? Like it was the game that you really enjoyed playing? Um, I would say probably the game that I played the most consistently was Apex Legends, mm. just because it's very, it's a battle royale, yeah. like Fortnite, like PUBG, like Call of Duty Warzone, but I mean, it's, you, you, it's very easy to just pick up, play a few matches when you have some free time. And then that's it. Turn it off. Yeah. Right. There's no story that you need to get invested in. There's no, um, I don't know, there's no, it's just, I guess battle royales in general are just very easy to pick up, play a couple games, maybe do a couple challenges and then put down. That could be part of, you know, why they are so much fun yeah. and why they're so popular, right? Because it's not like something where, you know, you have to build up your character and then you have to invest time grinding this and, you know, you have to get the best tool before you take on the boss and you yeah. have to make sure your character is the right level. It's, I have 10, 15 free minutes. I turn it on, jump in the game, get one game done. All right, yeah, time to go. I got to go do something else, right? That could be part of why they're so popular. That is, I guess the most consistent game that I've played throughout the year. Also because as soon as I got PlayStation 5, I was able to play it. Yeah. And it's not all, pretty much all of the Battle Royales are free. So it's not like, okay, you know, a new console, I have to buy the new system, I have to buy the new version of the game, or every year there's a new version of this game coming out, and I have to buy the 2020, you know, <laughs> Apex Legends. And then next year I got to buy 2021 Apex Legends. It's, no, it's just Apex Legends. Same thing. It's it's just Fortnite. You don't have to buy a new Fortnite every year. So it's a very low, I guess, entry cost yeah. into playing the games. And it's very easy to get into a game, get out of a game. Not to mention when you have friends playing the games too, then it makes it that much easier to play. Yeah. When everyone can everyone has a game. If you don't have the game, it's not it's even free. like, oh, you have to buy the game too. No, I just downloaded it for free. Yeah. 
So Apex Legends, I played the most from my PlayStation 4 to my PlayStation 5. The game I enjoyed the most, I mean, <laughs> at the start of quarantine, the game I enjoyed the most was definitely Pokemon Sword. Oh, yeah. I think we put hours and hours into Pokemon. Um, like, I all of a sudden got into poke like competitive, competitive pokemon battling something i'd never been interested in before i was hatching pokemon hatching shiny shiny hunting oh, like <laughs> it was yeah the game that i i guess enjoyed the most and like got obsessed with to a point would have been pokemon sword i guess that was when everyone was obsessed with animal crossing yeah never played animal crossing never got into it but um, I guess another game that I really enjoyed, Spider-Man Miles Morales, mm -hmm. um, goes hand in hand. I've been anticipating that game since they showed it off in, what, probably like April, March? Their whole like uh, game reveal slash system reveal that Sony did. I've been anticipating it and then getting to play it, it was great i've been meaning to play it again haven't gotten a chance to yet but i mean in terms of games that about sums it up it was pokemon apex spider-man um i actually just got call of duty black ops cold war oh wow. i still haven't opened it yet i got it for christmas still haven't played it yet um but i'm looking forward to playing that next i guess in 2021 that's yeah so that's a, a great list like obviously spider-man miles morales one of the best games of the year um yeah people love it people love the original spider-man and a lot of people i think really like this one just because it was more of that game but still different um mm -hmm. and different enough with like a new character and all that and then like a new take uh, on spider-man which i think kind of resonated with a lot of people but what you said about apex i think is is perfect because that goes into like you, I played a lot of, of Pokemon this year, but one game that, uh, one thing I did try to do this year was kind of tackle a little bit of my backlog of older games that I've, you know, played but never beat. And when the whole cyberpunk thing kind of happened and I was like, uh, maybe I'll wait on this game a bit. This is even before it came out. I was like, maybe I'll wait on this game a bit. Um, I decided I was going to continue a game that is the exact opposite of how you described Apex. Um, I think one of the coolest things about Apex and Battle Royales is that they respect your time. You know, they know, hey, if if you only have a few minutes to play this game, you can have some fun and, you know, you don't have to invest too much of your time to have fun. Um, well, there is a game called Mass Effect Andromeda, which, much like Cyberpunk, in 2017 came out and got a lot of hate for its performance and, and you know, the game didn't live up to expectations very similar to what happened with cyberpunk but i bought that game the day it came out played it like crazy i put over 100 hours into it and then i looked at how much percentage of the story i got through in 100 hours and it said 30 percent in 100 hours in 100 hours now granted i was playing multiplayer as well um but still when i saw that 30 percent mark i was like what in the world am i doing with my time um and honestly the game was good like it was i was happy to be back in a mass effect world but it wasn't exactly fun it felt like more like chores than mm -hmm. actually having fun so i put that on hold for years 
and this year I decided to go back to it and finish it and I did finish it uh, just under 200 hours um, so oh, kind of sped God. up a little bit um, <laughs> <laughs> but I will say like I actually really enjoyed it and I, I have a big critique for the game I think the game absolutely wastes your time um, in a way that it absolutely shouldn't to the point where let's say you have a mission and it says okay drive to this part of the of the map to do the mission the second part of the mission usually missions are in three parts the second part of the mission will be as far away from that point as possible and then the third part of the mission will be right back where you started so that you can waste 10 minutes just driving just to do a stupid mission and that was one of my biggest kind of pet peeves of the game of like how it wasted your time um the complete opposite of what you mentioned with apex that being said after a certain point the game kind of opens up a bit and kind of becomes more fun and by the end of it it made me really excited for what's next in mass effect which mm. is kind of really cool because i'd never thought i would be excited about mass effect again um especially after you know the initial uh kind of impression andromeda brought and then even kind of the little bit of the disappointment from mass effect 3 but yeah after beating that game i thought it was fantastic i had a lot of fun and I think that's kind of something I'm going to continue doing in 2021 is maybe going a little bit into the backlog. But uh, yeah, uh, that's that's one of the, the cooler things uh, of this year. It's just like going back, playing some older games that, that never finished. Yeah. Uh, one thing, or I guess something that I'm looking forward to in 2021 is all of the future releases on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah. I mean... I was a fan, am a fan of the Mandalorian series. Amazing end to the second season. Yeah. Can't wait to see what comes out. But I mean, um, kind of near the end of the season, right? We had that uh, the shareholders call from Disney and they were listing all of these sort of spin-off series, right? Ahsoka Tano was getting the series. There's the Andor series coming out. There's, you know, WandaVision is coming out early January. We have, like, all kinds of series from Marvel, from Star Wars, from Disney. And I'm just, I'm really looking forward to 21, 2021 when it comes to streaming. It's There's a lot of good material coming out. I'm right there with you like starting with wandavision something i'm super excited about i just finished rereading um house of m and that's like a really cool story and, and kind of seeing how the mcu handles it with wandavision is going to be really cool um uh, of like wanda creating her own universe and stuff like that um so i'm really excited for that but i think when we originally mentioned this i didn't talk about like all the other stuff that's coming like she hulk and and like all these other cool shows that i think i mentioned like you know the netflix marvel shows were really good um and now mm -hmm. those are gone but the funny thing is yeah they're gone and it sucks and i would like to see more of those but they're bringing out so many shows of like moon knight and like all these characters that you generally just wouldn't see and i so, honestly can't wait for them a list a quick list that i have here from the episode we did on it um from marvel there's iron heart hawkeye Armor Wars, I Am Groot, Secret Invasion series, Moon Knight oh series, gosh. Captain Marvel 2, the movie, She-Hulk. From Star Wars, there's The Acolyte, Rangers of the New Republic, the Ahsoka Tana series, the Obi-Wan series, we have a series on Andor, 
Lando Calrissian gets his own series. You have something called Visions and a droid story. So there is a lot of stuff coming out. Not all coming out this year. Yeah. Right? Some of it is just starting production this year. But there is a lot to look forward to. Not even if you're just a Star Wars fan. Star Wars, Marvel. Just if you're a fan of, I guess, good TV in general, which I would assume most people are. And the idea that maybe in 2021 we might see a hint of, you know, who the Fantastic Four are going to be and stuff like that. Like some of the stuff that they acquired from Fox, maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit more of that information comes out, which I'm a big Fantastic Four fan and a super X-Men fan. I don't expect to see anything from X-Men for a while. But, um, you know, those are things I'm going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see if they even like say, okay, this is the person who's going to play Mr. Fantastic. That would be really cool. I'd really like to see that. That would be very cool. I mean, they've been hinting at uh, John Krasinski for quite some time. I mean, that would be, I think that's perfect. That's literally the perfect casting. Because like, <laughs> one, he's a little bit funnier than probably Mr. Fantastic is supposed to be, but I think a lot of people don't like Fantastic Four enough um, mm. or, or already don't like them as much as they like, you know, Iron Man and then Wolverine and all that. Having someone really charismatic play the leader of the Fantastic Four, I think is going to be, would be a good choice. So hopefully, hopefully he is the one uh, that gets to to play him. Mm. That would be, I think it would be a good choice. I think it would bring a lot of people into the franchise too. Like a lot of people who aren't fans of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, which is a lot of people. (laughs) Which is pretty much everybody. And then also people who are fans of the Fantastic Four. Because, I mean, he's a pretty likable actor yeah and he's shown his like i guess he's shown he's not just a funny guy if you've seen like the quiet a quiet place or a quiet place too right he can bring some some seriousness to it he can bring some drama too and he does have experience directing and writing too so it's i guess he kind of covers all the bases ends of the spectrum yeah right he's not he's not just a one-dimensional type of person which I think, if you are a fan of the series of Fantastic Four, that was that is something you'd like to see. You know, not just the typical funny man. You know, like lowbrow humor. Someone, I guess, someone with more dimension than that. And I think we spoke about this a little bit in the other podcast when we were talking about the Disney uh, kind of shareholder meeting. Is that they've kind of hit casting out of the park. Like they really did a, an amazing job of casting, um, and. I think that will only continue. And if they get someone like, like Krasinski for Mr. Fantastic, I think that that just shows like, yeah, they, they haven't lost a step. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess anything else you want to touch on for this first episode of our, of the new year, I guess first recorded episode of the new year. So one other thing that I'm looking forward to in, in 2021, um, would be a game, a, a video game that I ha- honestly, truly believe will never come out um and i don't know many people probably you know haven't been following it stuff like that it's beyond good and evil 2 um and that was a game that was showed off years ago at eb uh ubisoft's press conference for e3 which i don't know if e3 will ever come back either but um (laughs) it was such a wildly ambitious game similar to what cyberpunk was trying to say but this was even to a whole nother level talking about 
a fully simulated solar system that you're going to be traveling through and you know everything is going to be in real time and the sun actually moves and all this it was just a little bit too ridiculous and joseph gordon levitt was attached to it and all this stuff like they were just going so far with this game and ever since then we've seen absolutely nothing it's been like three years and every year they always say yeah no it's not going to be at our conference oh no we're not showing anything with that and it just makes me wonder that maybe this game might never come out but um if they ever do show anything else that's one that i have been excited for in a really long time the first beyond good and evil was a really really cool unique game um a little bit of a relic of its time but still it, the idea that you know this really ambitious game uh could potentially be coming out for next gen in the next year or so um mm. is is kind of really kind of really cool because either it can be a chain train wreck or it could be something <laughs> really special and the fact that we haven't seen anything from it so far i have a feeling that it could be closer to the train wreck uh side that being said uh i think the people involved are like super talented and really cool um they've made really cool stuff in the past so just the idea of being able just to see it even if they tell me it's not coming out for 10 years just to be able to see something of that game um it's there's a lot of really inspired art and stuff like that going on with it um even fan source stuff like there's there's like if you wanted to write a story for the game or something like that there was a whole website assigned where people can make assets and make art and all that stuff so yeah it's just a really cool ambitious product that i project that i can't wait to see more of hopefully you get an update at some point in the in the new year yeah or, or i guess at least in the decade the next hopefully. decade yeah maybe. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's coming out 2023 or no 2030 20, yeah, 2030 2030 there we yeah. go <laughs> all right take it easy everyone in podcast land i'll catch you in the next episode